Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday, October 11th. This is the first official uh, night of the NHL season. The Tampa Lightning will play the New York Rangers, 730. And then there will be a late game at 1030. Both games will be on ESPN. I, I cannot wait for um, this. I, I'm just, it's been a very long off season. Um, I'm so excited. It'll be Vegas and Los Angeles at, for the 10 o'clock game. But for today's episode, I'm going to have the tip of the iceberg guys on Nick Berlansky and Nick Quarrell. We're going to talk everything Penguins from what they saw in preseason, the training camp to some season predictions for not just the Penguins, but around the league, some bold predictions um, and so much more. So stick around for that coming up for today's episode. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Score Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Joining me now are two people who have not been on the podcast in, well, I think over a year now for some ridiculous reason. I'm going to get my name out of here because it's going to be all over Horwat's face on the YouTube page. But um, the two, the tippy iceberg guys, the Nick and Nick show, as I like to call it, um, another great Penguins podcast that, you know, I, I think these are the two best out here, um, at least in my opinion. But um, both of you, thank you all so much for coming back on. I really do appreciate it. It's always yep. a joy coming on, no matter what. Yeah. You oh, know, yeah. we've been yeah. talking about it for a little while and I'm very excited to be on it and very excited for the season to start. Yeah, me too, guys. And, you know, Nick, I know I went on your first episode of Penguins Lunch, and I fe- I figured I had to return the favor by bringing both of you on to my show, and then I'm sure we'll keep rotating at that point. Um, Penguin season's two days away. I'm super stoked. The offseason has just been a very long grind of sometimes not as much content, but, you know, that's about to change in a big way. Um, what were both of your, you know, big impressions at camp in the preseason? I know, you know, um, both of you guys were at camp, I believe. And then I think a couple of you guys, I think actually both of you guys went to at least one preseason game or two. You know, what really stood out to you guys when you were watching them live? Uh, I'll take it off right away. I mean, the biggest piece that I thought uh, and my biggest takeaway from the camp was ironically, ironically enough, centered around players that currently aren't on the roster. Uh, Redeems the Horner took a huge step forward, but we see what has happened with that. He is, was claimed off waivers by Calgary and then not brought back as much of a step as he took forward. He wasn't going to play on this roster. Anyway, he was going to become roster fodder eventually. And honestly, a guy like Sam Poulin, who was another guy sent to the minors could have stepped over him pretty easily and made an NHL roster. And eventually soon enough this year, we'll make his NHL debut just because of how well he performed through camp and into his uh, preseason contests. Uh, but I was most impressed with Ty Smith. And I mean, sure, he's down in the minors right now, but that is big old air quotes, I would say, around minor leagues because uh, I don't expect him to stay down there long. Sure, P.O. Joseph is doing just is going to do just fine in the NH, at the NHL level, but um, in the very near future, I expect that to be Ty Smith's position. I said it very early on. Ty Smith just looks better. And in some cases, regardless of how 
good or bad the player is or what their standing is in the organization. You just got to go with the better player. And I think that's a situation where Ty Smith beat him out in. And I have to agree with that. I mean, that is definitely something that both of us took notice of is not only these guys like Poulan, who was kept late at training camp, which was really big, Ty Smith, who was the last cut for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but even these guys that weren't expected to make the roster. Nobody was surprised when they got sent down. Somebody like a Valtteri Pustinen, somebody like a Philip Hollander, those guys and who they were playing with as well. I mean, Pustinen, for a large majority of the early portions of camp, was playing a lot with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. And that says something that that sets a flag up the, you know, up the flagpole that, hey, they think a lot of this guy. So that was very interesting to me. But speaking of Crosby, that was something else that that jumped out of the page. And I know both Rossi and Yoey have been putting out tweets the last couple of days. He is flying all over the ice. He is diving in drills. He is on the ice. He is going 100% for everything. We saw his father there when we were there, Troy Crosby. And it's, you know, it's year 18, but it's still a youthful exuberance for Sidney Crosby heading into his 18th season. So the captain is more prepared than it seems than ever to get ready and go try to chase that fourth Stanley Cup. And that's something Crosby said just recently. Someone had asked him uh, how it felt having a full having a full camp this year, and he mentioned it's not just this year he's got a full camp. The season before was shortened for COVID. Um, this is his first time since pretty much 2019 that he's had a full camp to really get ready for the season. Uh, and if anybody saw the last preseason game, it showed. He, he and Jake Gensel are probably ready to be a problem for this league. I was I, I they I think when Gensel scored that goal that made it two one I'm like okay I, I don't need to see any more of them they can just go out like like the stars in the NFL for the dress rehearsal it's like okay you can just go to the bench now and the backups can come in I only kind of wish a little bit that that could happen but um, I think you made a great point there um, Horwat yeah I mean Sid last year had the wrist injury wasn't even ready to go for the start of the season same with Malkin and you know this year. You know, he, he does seem to be flying. And, you know, year 18 looks like year three for him, I think, at this point. Um, he's going into, what is it, almost his 16th, 17th year as the captain of the team. He's yeah. only a few years away from tying Steve Eiserman for the most there. And, you know, also good with your point about Ty Smith. I, I do think he looks better. Um, it stinks that their salary cap situation is what it is right now because he should be on the opening night roster. Maybe they make a move today, Wednesday, to get out of that and, put him back up just because the roster you set on Monday, you know, that's not the roster you may see on Thursday against the Coyotes. But, you know, as it stands right now, if they don't make a move, I think that's going to be POJ spot. And I was talking about this with Jesse Marshall last night. It's kind of sink or swim time for him. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you need to show what you're made of. He had a little bit of NHL action a couple of years ago. I think he played on the top pair with Chris Tang when the defense was really banged up. Um, a couple other games, who was playing on the second or third pairing, but you know, you're going to get third pairing minutes with Jan Ruta, someone who um, ate top pairing minutes alive with Victor Hedman. And he's one of the three best defensemen I think on the planet. So um, I really do think it's time for him to see what he can do. I think, you know, just because of their salary cap situation, they really have no choice. I think in a perfect world, they would want Smith up there and having POJ maybe sitting on the bench a little bit, but it doesn't look like at least to start the season, that's going to be um, a reality, you know, what did you guys see from POJ during camp and preseason? Are you guys hopeful that he can really take this next step if he's given that opportunity, if Smith can come up for the next week or two? 
Yeah, I, I'll lead off on this one. And when we were seeing P.O. Joseph, it goes back to what I said at the beginning there. It's young players getting to play with established stars. Joseph was playing a lot on a pairing with Chris Letang in camp yeah. when it was split into three teams. And what we saw from him, at least what I saw from him, don't want to speak for Horwat, but what I saw from him was a steady presence, a guy that knows his role. He is a professional. I talked to Nick Hart on Penguins Lunch, and he said, listen, P.O.J. has been ready. It's been time to sharpen the edges, and that's what he's done the past three years. I think when you look at the way that Joseph is entering the season, the first time he's ever made the team out of camp, it's going to be a great opportunity for him. But it is sink or swim because there is another guy in the lineup in, in, in Ty Smith that can take his spot as soon as something's figured out. So for P.O. Joseph, he is in a really good position, though, because you're going to have third-pairing minutes. You're going to take on third-pairing-type matchups. And you're playing with a guy like Jan Ruda, who's an established veteran, who's going to be that safety bumper and let Joseph play a little bit more of the offensive game that he sometimes likes to play. So he's set up for success. Whether or not he takes advantage of that is the next question. I, I think if it's the best case scenario, you see Joseph take the bull by the horns, play really well, and then you can get rid of maybe a Brian Dumlin, maybe a Marcus Pedersen, if these guys can fill those roles and show and prove that they are able to fill those roles before another move gets made. Yeah, and for P.O. Joseph, it is it is sink or swim time. I totally agree with that. I think, uh, I forget who it was who said it on the fan at the beginning of the offseason pretty much, um, that for not just the Penguins and for this year and for this season, uh, it's sink or swim time for his career. He could have a very short career in the NHL if uh, – if, if things don't take off this year, if he doesn't get some consistent playing time and show what he can do, because, you know, we already know that the rumor is Ron Hextall shopped uh, Joseph out to all 31 other teams. Let's say he comes in and is gangbusters these first few games and the Penguins still don't want him. Well, now he just rose his, dra- his uh, trade stock pretty highly. And if someone wants to take him on, we can ship him out, bring in something. We can't bring in too much, but um that's an easy piece to ship out for, you know, you know, cap breathability. Maybe you get a draft pick somewhere. I doubt we'd get a player for him just because of our cap situation. So let's not throw that into existence. But, you know, if he comes in and has consistent play here, he can in turn make a good career for himself, whether it be here, staying here as a great player or somewhere else as another consistent player. So it is a matter of him taking full advantage of this opportunity he's given. Uh, not just for the Penguins and for this year, but for his long-term future in this league. Yeah, I think you both hit the nail on the head with that. And I think if they were to trade him, they would probably just get a draft pick, like a fourth rounder, um, something like that. They would really just be looking for the cap space. And I think, you know, they could have put him on waivers, but I'm pretty sure the Redeems of Hornet thing spooked them a little bit. They were kind of like, okay, if he's getting claimed off waivers, is POJ going to get claimed? So I think Hextall and Burke were kind of like, don't know if we really want to take that chance. You know, they took it with Friedman. I think someone easily could have claimed him. Good underlying metrics. Mm-hmm. Someone who can play at both ends of the rank was kind of surprised. Well, I was a little surprised that he wasn't claimed considering some of the other players I've seen get claimed off waivers these past few days. But I think they were definitely thinking to themselves, okay, we don't want to lose him for nothing. Let's just keep him, see if we can maybe work the phones a little bit and, you know, knowing their luck because the Penguins always have injuries. Ty Smith will probably be up there within like a week. Um or something like that. But I'm pretty excited for him. You know, he's very limited sample size. Uh, I want to see more offensive oomph from him just because that really hasn't been part of his game so far, at least from what I've watched. You know, he's you know, he's a good first pass, good defensively. But, you know, he was 
lauded, I think, coming out is, you know, this offensive defenseman who can make a lot of flashy plays with the puck. And so far, haven't really seen too much of that, um, at least. But still have a lot more to get to um, for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. But before we get to that, if you haven't tried the Bill Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough. It's covered in chocolate. That's right. Bill has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You can get all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it is healthy for you. They're only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. You can run to built.com and snack a box for you and the family. It will be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. You go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at built.com. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO Penguins. I don't think there's any background noise, but my dog is mad that he is outside and he's not in right now, but it's a beautiful day outside. It's like 70 degrees here. So, you know, he can get mad all he wants. But um, I have Hor- I have Nick Horwat, Nick Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast here. Um, so let's get into some uh, other things regarding this team. Um, you know, were you guys surprised by anything else about the 23-man roster, you know, for that 12th forward spot? You know, do you guys have a preference as to who's playing, or do you think either way this team's going to have to make a trade by the deadline just to get better? It is really hard to say. I don't think I'm super surprised by any of the decision-making or by who's on this lineup. I think people just have to buy into the guys that we have. Um, being a player short of the 23 isn't also isn't the greatest, but – who exactly would you want sitting out at this point anyway, aside from Chad Ruedel or Josh Archibald or Ryan Paling, whoever the forward uh, ends up being. It could be an interesting setup. I am not surprised by any of it, but I will <laughs> – me and Blansky have already decided we're going to talk about this on our next episode. Uh, invest your stock into Josh Archibald, trust me. Um, I'm not a stock guy, but – and I'm not talking for his offensive ability, but – for the other things he will bring to this okay. team that okay. should help the lineup because they needed it a hell of a lot last year. Yeah. It's funny because we talked about redeem Zahorna a lot at camp. He was my camp MVP before he got claimed off waivers and he's six foot seven and Josh Archibald is not six foot seven, not even close to six foot seven. I don't even know if he's six foot tall, but he plays a 150 times more physical than Redeem Zahorna did whenever he was in Pittsburgh. So I can see why Brian Burke and those guys liked him. I know that maybe not a lot of people wanted to see Josh Archibald make the team out of camp, which is why people were surprised when he was that guy that made the team out of camp. And especially with Teddy Bluger unsure of his status for Thursday night, he might be in that opening night roster. And that's a thing that, hey, he goes out there. I guess he plays the right way. He plays a Mike Sullivan style. He's quick physical and good on the forecheck. That's that's all you need to be a fourth liner for Mike Sullivan. So we'll see what ends up happening with Bluger and if Archibald's in there. But I was a little bit surprised because either I wasn't thinking about Archibald or I was just listening to everybody talk about Zahorna, me included. Everybody talked about Drake Kajula for about seven or eight days. And it seemed like, wow, Drake Kajula is beloved by this team and, and the ownership and everybody and management. And then he gets sent down. So I think we really need to, as Horwat said, and we'll talk about it. I guess I guess we're talking about it later in the week. But uh, I guess you need to buy stock in Josh Archibald, which I was not expecting to be able to say here three weeks ago. 
Hey, I don't think anyone was expecting to say that at least a few, a few weeks ago. You know, I, I was never really that big on the signing. I feel like I've said that every episode for like the past two months. I think they looked at his goal scoring totals for two seasons and they're like, oh, okay, maybe he can do that for a full season here. But, um, you know, I think I saw someone from Penguin Twitter had a thread on him. And, you know, he kind of plays like a rat in a way. And someone who can skate in a straight line, forecheck the heck out of you and just cause havoc. And I think that's what I think really drew um, – them to him. And so I'm really curious about that just for the for the entire season. I, I've been saying, I think it's going to be him and Paling kind of rotating in if the team is healthy. I think they do want to see a lot of Paling this year, just because I don't, I don't think they thought of him as a throw in to the Petrie Matheson trade. I think they really want to see if they can resurrect his career a little bit because he was a first round pick in Montreal, had a hat trick in his first career NHL game. After that, didn't really do anything. So I think they, they kind of want to see what they have. Um, a little bit there. So we'll see. Uh, maybe I'll buy a little more stock in Archibald. I would love to eat crow on that, just as I did a couple years ago with Cody Cece. I think all of us ate crow on that. Anyway, we got that nice contract. <laughs> um, uh, switching gears a little bit. Um, I want to hit you guys, you know, g- g- give me some bold predictions for this season. I think Josh, Jake Gensel is hitting 50 this year. That's one of my big ones. I have a really outlandish one that I talked about with Jesse Marshall. On the on the night before, which I I'll probably get to a bit later, but um, hit me with a couple pretty bold ones for this year. I don't know if this is the most bold prediction, but I have Tristan Jory finishing in the top three as a finalist in Vezina Trophy winner. Stop taking my thunder. <laughs> is that is that taking your thunder? Because that's and, what I have as well. Yes. Okay, so we're in agreement here. I mean, you look at what he was able to do last season, and he didn't have a backup goaltender, so he was put in awful positions. Now it is the same goaltender. It's Casey DeSmith once again, but I think he's in a better position than he was last year. And I, I think with Tristan Jari also, the defense in front of him is going to be better defensively. That's going to help him as well. And looking at where he finished last year, I mean, top 10 in all major categories for goaltenders. If he improves on those just a little bit and the Pittsburgh Penguins can finish top two, maybe even a Metro Division title, which I don't know if that's a little little too far out of reach, but if the Penguins are able to finish in the top two and he's able to improve on his numbers even slightly, I see Tristan Jari being a top three guy in Vesna voting. And I don't think we have Horwat. I think Horwat's mic is muted right now, but he's, he's, he's trying, he's trying to, uh, <laughs> he's trying to figure it out. You got, you got it? No, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. Okay. It. Well, 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 he's trying to figure well, that out. I have another one if you want. Keep it. going. Yeah. Keep going. Nick. Oh, okay. Because the other one that I do have as far as, uh, you know, a hot take, a bold prediction, whatever you have it. What I think about bold predictions, I say, okay, take something based in reality and push that to the 15th degree. And with that, I think, and you might have heard this if you listened to the, the Bold Predictions episode we did a couple weeks ago, but the Penguins are going to have two 100-point scores this year. There were a lot of 100-point scores last year across the NHL. The Penguins okay. haven't had one in a couple seasons, and that's Sidney Crosby back in, I believe it was 2018-19. He scored 100 on the dot. I think there are two 100-point scores this year, Sidney Crosby being one of them, Evgeny Malkin being the other. I have a really, really high hope that Evgeny Malkin will stay healthy this year. And I think you saw last season that when he's healthy, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And there's so much disrespect that he has faced this offseason. I mean, first and foremost, with the fact that the Penguins made him their third priority or whatever that was, signing him 
24 hours before the opening of free agency. Mm-hmm. He wasn't named to the NHL Network's top 50 list. Whatever, I don't think he cares about that. But there's a lot of disrespect going his way. And he's healthy. Healthy coming into the season. The spirits are high. Number one Gino, like he said on that quick social media page. But I think that there's 200 point scorers, one being Crosby and one being Evgeny Malkin. That's a good one. I, I like that a lot. And I think part, a big reason that Gino could hit 100 this year, Nick, is he's actually going to have good line mates for one. And I think mm-hmm. a good defensive pairing out there for him as well. You know, you think about it. I was talking with Jesse about this on my on Monday night episode. You know, who is who has he had defensively giving him the puck the last few years? We can go back. John John Marino, okay, fine player, not that good offensively. Marcus Pedersen, good player, oh, you know, but but still not that good defensively. Years years before that, Jack Johnson or the corpse of Jack Johnson. I think we have Horwath back here. We can probably test it out. I. Can you hear yep. me now? Yeah, there yeah. it is. Fully was not letting me unmute. I had to leave and come back. <laughs> um, no, 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 no worries at all. Um, back, back to what I about. Well, I'll get to your bold predictions in just yeah, a second, Nick. And then you had Justin Schultz, who is not the same player anymore. No. Fast forward to now, and obviously Crystal Tang and Brian Dumoulin, Sidney Crosby has the priority with them just because he's Sidney Crosby. He's always going to have priority with Crystal Tang. Now he'll have Jeff Petrie, that, that Gino is, and then he'll have Marcus Pedersen. And Petrie, someone who's very offensively gifted, someone who can get him the puck a lot quicker than some of these other players can. And I think Malkin's going to be a one-man wrecking crew with his own entries this year a lot more than in years past. And I think that could be a big um, indicator for him being at least a point-per-game player, if not more, because you're right. There are, there's a lot of disrespect about him from even the fan base this offseason, people saying like, oh, well, you know, he's not worth being signed. You should go out and sign Vince Trocheck and stuff and Andrew Comp. And I'm like, the guy just had 20 goals and 40 points in 40 games. I don't know what more you could want. And he just came off a playoff season the year before that. He played on a torn MCL and almost a torn ACL, it felt like, and had at a point-per-game pace. So I really don't know what – people are just so spoiled when it comes to this uh, franchise. Um, so – I, I definitely might buy a little bit of stock into that. Horwat, you know, what are your bold predictions for the team now that you're back with your mic, of course? Now that I'm back and allowed to talk onto this uh, onto this platform, I think the one bold prediction that I'm, I'm going to suggest everyone go listen to that episode if you can find it of our bold predictions. But the one that I'm going to carry into this one um, is Chris Letang is going to have another career year, and it's not just going to be offensively minded. I think – he may have a great year, but it, you know his offensive numbers don't reach what they did last year. But because of he's a defenseman, and by way of the position, you're not really supposed to score that much. I believe his scoring will still be at a very torrid pace. But those defensive metrics are, should be able to help out in a new way this year. They should jump up a little bit more to really back up a new style of career year for a defenseman. Um Again, this is something that the brilliance is just going to have to tell me if he did or not in terms of analytics because I just don't understand him that much. But if his defensive metrics jump up in the right way, uh, absolutely it could be a different kind of career year for him in a way that helps us win games. And like Brilliansky said, in Tristan Jari's battle for becoming a Vesna candidate, he's got to have better defense in front of him. And Chris Tank stepping up his defensive game can help out with that prediction as well. 
I would obviously love that. I mean, he had a career here last year, and honestly, probably should have had more consideration for the Norris, but it's also hard when you have Kale McCarr, yeah. Victor Hedman, Adam Fox, Charlie McAvoy, and all these guys who are, you know, the ships where a Norris has sailed, and that's perfectly okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right, Orban. I think it's, he's probably not going to get it at this point. If he does, it's kind of like a lifetime achievement <laughs> award, as some of the other goalies have with the Vesna. And, you know, he'll always be criminally underrated by a lot of people. And I think I'm basically fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, um, I think I, my uh, my last one that I said I've probably put so many times on this epi- on this podcast. Jason Zucker is going to score twenty twenty five this year uh, if, if he's fully healthy, of course. I know a lot of people are sour on him, but you know the dude played on a tour and groin in the playoffs, from what I was told by someone, um, and still kicked butt. And he was one of their best four checkers. Looked great in the preseason, from what I saw. And if he's fully healthy all year, um, there there's no way he's not hitting at least twenty, and I think he could potentially get up to thirty um for the first time since he was in um minnesota so really excited about him um that wraps up the second segment for the show coming up in the final segment to get to some league-wide predictions a couple of other things related to the penguins so stick around for that coming up after this commercial break all right we're back here on this episode of the locked on penguins podcast i'm hunter hodes i got the nick and nick show here from tip of the iceberg um let's get into some season predictions before we end the show with some penguin specific things um nick uh berlansky you know people are going to think that you're a hypocrite i think a little bit just because you you were telling me and i did listen to the show to confirm it yeah the penguins a little high up and then i saw the graphic onto the iceberg where you had them a little lower so what what changed with that Mm mm-hmm have to call you out there a little bit yeah i understand it and i figured whenever i i sent that message to you that it would be brought up but uh, to me you're not a hypocrite (laughs) oh yeah well yeah you know it it mostly i think of two different things because the power rankings that we released uh, a couple weeks ago on our Mm -hmm. episode and then today on the graphic side of things i had the penguins at number four behind the washington capitals and people are not happy about that understandably but that's my preseason power rankings that's where i think things stand right now in the Metropolitan Division, and I have the Penguins at number four. But through getting better throughout the season, and I think the Penguins will, whether that be Poulin comes up, Pustinen comes up, they make another move, they figure out what's going on on defense, get a little bit more cap flexibility. I think through that and through the fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to get better as the season goes on, I think the Penguins finish division-wise number two. That's my prediction. But right now I see them as the fourth best team in the Metro when it comes to my power rankings. Okay, that's a that's a good explanation for it. Yeah. Or what? Uh, the difference between power rankings and actual rankings are quite fun. Um, yeah, I think I also think they could be higher than what I we had them on or what I had them on in my prediction as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see a second place finish. I think our power rankings. I had them at third. Mm-hmm. Um, so things could change throughout the season as well. It's just a matter of getting on the ice and getting real gameplay in. And sometimes that's just the downfall of recording and coming up with answers before uh, things change and before people see more of it. Yeah, I actually, I released my full standings predictions on my Twitter account this morning and I had the Penguins at two. I think they're the second best team in the division behind Carolina. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Penguins this year. Their defense is better. Um, the four depth, maybe not as good just because they lost Adam Rodriguez and, you know, replaced them with a couple of players who aren't as good, but it's still good enough, especially the top six. And they got two goaltenders in there who have played really well 
in the preseason in camp. The Rangers, I think they're fine, but I don't want this. I want to see their underlying numbers actually be better. They don't need to rely on God for the second straight tenure here with had Henry Lundquist for so many years. And now they have basically um, God's son uh, playing goal now, just because it's very like much like a Favre to Rogers thing for those that play for those that watch the NFL. And after that, I have Washington and then I have the four other teams down there. I think I've had um, New Jersey fifth. I saw some, some people had the devils making the playoffs this year. I think they're going to be better, but I don't trust their goaltending. And I don't think they're refs in a, a good coach. So I think it, until they make a coaching change, um, just not really sure. I see that. Um, do you have any other predictions league wide, like playoff teams, Cup, cup finishes with the season starting tonight and stuff? Man, I don't know if they're a playoff team per se, but I think the Ottawa Senators might, pay, might make a damn good push uh, to be in the conversation because I like the moves they made. I like the improvements they made. Uh, and they are a young team that has quite the influx of veteran talent as well. Uh, I just like the way they've looked this offseason and what they can possibly do i'm not saying a playoff team i'm not saying a cup push but uh, being in the conversation is one of the better teams in the league this year for sure i like that i i really like the senators i think they're gonna be a fun team to watch it's definitely an espn plus special where you're gonna log oh, yeah. on and watch the mm-hmm. senators play hockey definitely they're loaded offensively especially i can't wait to watch that and adding Cam Talbot, too, is just a level of, you know, competency that they haven't had in the goaltending position since early Craig Anderson, or I should I say mid-early, because Craig Anderson has 25,000 phases of his career. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to take it out to the West Coast a little bit. And Horwat disrespected this team on our latest episode. And I really think that there's some other people out there disrespecting them as well, because they missed the playoffs for the first time last season in their entire franchise's history. And that's the Vegas Golden Knights. A lot of people are saying, hey, Robin Leonard's out. That's it. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They don't have their starting goaltender. You can basically, you know, bury them six feet under. No, you can't. They're always a good team. It's the Vegas freaking Golden Knights. And I think there's been a lot of people that are really disrespecting Logan Thompson and even Laurent Brassois. He's not at that level, but he's much better than people are giving him credit for. And when you're playing behind a team that is as stacked and stocked as the Vegas Golden Knights are, health has always been an issue. But if they can stay healthy, They're one of the best teams in the Western Conference, bar none. So I think there's a lot of disrespect on Logan Thompson. He's going to prove some people wrong this year. And I really like the Vegas Golden Knights in the West. I don't know if I'd say they'd come out of the West, but I do think that their stock right now is very low. So I think you should buy low. I think it's time for Vegas to actually, you know, invest in what they have. They make a lot of changes for the sake of it. And I understand some franchise, some players that only come around once, you got to get in on them. Petrangelo, you got Shea Theodore for nothing. Um, Mark Stone, uh, who's awesome. But, you know, they just traded Max Pacioretty in basically a salary dump. They didn't even get anything mm-hmm. back for him. Um, Bruce Cassidy is a great coach. Don't know why Boston let him go. I think that was a very bad decision by them. I think Boston's going to be fine, but Cassidy's very good at what he does. Um, I have them in the hunt. But, you know, my surprise playoff team, I think, from the West, I, don't, I actually don't have anything changed from the East because those eight teams, I think, are by far and away the best. I have Vancouver getting in. I, I like what Bruce Boudreau is doing out there. Um, JT Miller just signed there. I know he's not going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin for potentially ever, which stinks, but um, he had a great year. Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, Thatcher Demko might be a dark horse for the Vesna. 
And, you know, again, don't underestimate the Boudreaux effect. They played at, I believe it was like a 650 winning percentage last year after he took over. He 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 knows what he's doing, and I think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Um, I don't really have my full cup pick yet. I, if I had to guess right now, um, I have Colorado going back for sure. I, I I mean, I think they're by far and away the best team in the league. A lot of people are thinking Carolina. I kind of want to see it first just because, you know, I think they have some high-end talent, but I don't think they have that that true franchise player. Um I'll say this. That's might be bold. I have Florida going there. I think I'm going to take the Panthers um, with Kachuk. I know they lost Huberto and Uyghur. Um, I know Paul Maurice is, you know, his record speaks for itself. Not the greatest, but they're loaded offensively. Defensively, I think they can hold their own. And I, I'm, I, I think Spencer Knight by the end of the year is going to be a stud. Yeah, yeah. The East is going to be interesting because, like you said, there's those eight teams. And last year it seemed like those eight teams – were the playoff teams and were set to be the playoff teams from January on. And at that point, it was all seeding. So can this gap be closed a little bit by teams like Ottawa, by teams, you know, like the New Jersey Devils, who everybody's high on this year. The Islanders finished the year really hot last year, but weren't able to even close the gap very much. But the East is going to be interesting. A lot of people like the Toronto Maple Leafs, but their goaltending scares the crap out of me. So I don't know who I'm going to take in the East. I mean, I mean, you look around, Maybe it's the, it's the New York Rangers. I know that you said you have the issues with the way that they play at five on five, and I agree with you. But what we saw from that kid line last year and the fact that those guys are only going to get better, and I know Shesterkin was ungodly that last year. But they don't need that in the regular season to make the playoffs anymore. They're good enough to make the playoffs without the godlike Igor Shesterkin. But when they get there, can he turn it on? Yeah, we've seen Vasilevsky do it year after year, and Shesterkin – is getting quickly to that level. So I like the Rangers in the East and in the West. Wow, it is it is tough. You know, I, I like Vegas, but I'm not ready to crown them West champs. Maybe Minnesota, though. Like, I, I really like what Minnesota's done. I think Marco Rossi is going to be big this year. He made the team out of camp. Kalen Addison, for those of you that remember that name, he made the team out of camp, switched to number two. That's a pro number for a pro player. He's going to be really good. And then you know, what's Marc-Andre Fleury going to do there? Is he going to be able to be the Vezina-level guy that he was in Vegas? I don't know, but I really like their chances because I really like the way that they play the game, and I think that they were close last year, and they're going to be even closer this year. I always hang my hat on out in the West on a team like Calgary, and I think I might have to again. I know they have some flaws, some issues, and I know they just had a huge change. Um. And I don't like the changes they made, but there might be something sneaky about out there. I don't know what it is. Something in the something in the water that's definitely not in Edmonton yet. Um, I just I can't give Edmonton their flowers quite yet. And it's hard to repeat, so I don't want to necessarily hand it to Colorado either. So staking a flag into Calgary right now, and then maybe I'll change that because again, in the east also, it's just hard to pick one. It really is truly yeah. difficult to just put your flag into someone. Um, Because you don't want to go with a team like Toronto. You don't want to go with a team like Florida because neither of them have proved it yet. You don't want to say the Rangers just because we're Penguin fans. And you don't want to say the Penguins because you don't want to come off as homers. So it becomes difficult in the East, for sure. And I named four teams that are definitely going to be in the playoffs that might not make it out of the first round for how everything goes. You never know. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be stacked in that conference again. And yeah, it's probably maybe a bit of a hot take that I took Florida just because I know they got steamrolled by the Lightning last year. And 
Uh, they did not look ready to play the big brother in the state of Florida. I mean, everyone was looking forward to that series round two, um, more like round zero, basically just because they got absolutely dismantled and they got shown what playoff hockey is really all about. Um, let's end the show with a couple, you know, penguin center topics since we know we just went around the league a little bit. Um, just how big of a year is it for someone like Kasperi Kapanen? You know, third line minutes here, going to play with Danton Heinen and Jeff Carter. He's playing on the PK more, something he did really well in Toronto. Um, how big is it that he is even just competent for this team this year? For the sake of fans liking him and not wanting to burn his house to the ground, he needs to play pretty damn well. Um and because he's making the money that the organization put some faith into him. When you make that kind of contract, and they say that we expect you to be better, you could have paid him at his worth, which would have been much lower than that, but they decided to say we expect him to be better, so now he has to live up to it. It's probably the most important year of his career, bar none. And for those of you that would like to choose Arson as a means of getting back at a player that hasn't met your expectations, let me remind you that he has a very cute stray cat that is now hanging out at his house. So do not do it just to protect the cats. But no, I, I, I agree that, that, that Kasperi Kapanen is going to have a better season. You can't get much worse than what he showed last year. I, I think when you see a guy like Mike Sullivan, who we all agree is one of the best coaches in hockey, say, I did not do a good enough job. Like I did a disservice to Kasperi in the way that I coached him last year. That's a lot. That means a lot coming from a guy like that. It might've been lip service. You know, you know what coaches do, but hearing him say that feel the need to say that, that makes me think that he's going to be deployed and implemented in a much better role for himself. And like you said, he's going to play the PK. I think he's going to get a couple of shorthanded goals. He's going to lead the penguins. I think he might lead the league in shorthanded goals. And you know, you know, you want a bold prediction. I think he scores 25 goals this year. I wow. do. I think Kasperi Kapanen blows up even on a third, third pair, their third line. Oh, I, my chair. <laughs> I think Horwath and I just uh, f- fell out of our chairs. We're all falling out of our chairs here. I, if I didn't have a little arm rests, I can't speak. Uh, yeah, I'd be on the floor. That was a wild one. Twenty-five I mean, is I, a if I, bold if I see number. That guy score twenty-five goals. I, I might be, I might dress up as the Joker. I think <laughs> I, I actually might be the Joker for Halloween if I see that. Next mm. Halloween, I should say, not this. <laughs> Next, <laughs> scores twenty five before Halloween, even better. Patrick every night, every game uh, on the Western Canada trip that's coming up in a couple weeks. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, he can, he can, he can do that. I just, I would love to see that. You know, just because mm. he had a good year a few years ago. Last year wasn't good. Um, this one, you know, I'm hoping so. Um, last, th- um, oh, one more thing before I get to the, my final question, um, the goaltending. I think you know, at the end of the day, for this team to go far, it comes down to two things. Health, you know, they, they made some changes with, I think, the medical team. I think they hired someone from, I believe it was what the NBA to really oversee, like, just what the heck is going on uh, with all these injuries right now. Knock on wood, as I just did. Teddy Blue is the only injury. I'm sure, that's going to change in a week, even though I just knocked on wood. And who knows if he'll, he's going to play on Thursday. I'd like to see him in there, but nah, nothing's really been confirmed yet. Um, and the goaltending, you know, it's sunk them the last few seasons. COVID bubble that, I mean, that's just, that's also, you're playing with no fans, but the gold, Matt Murray wasn't good that year. Year after that, we all know what happened. Trish Dre melted down and then Louis Domingue melted down. They were up three games to one against the Rangers. Um, you know, how high are you on both goals? I you know, Berlinski, I know we're both high on Jari this season, but 
I, I think Casey DeSmith has the chance to have a really good year. He looked great in the preseason from the games that I watched. His movement looked a lot better. He was playing more aggressive in the net. And, you know, if they can get that level from him for an entire season, like he played in the second half of last year, that can really help give Jari some rest, has maybe 50, 52 starts, maybe a little lower than that. And then he's refreshed for the playoffs. And then you give DeSmith make 30 starts, something like that. I think that could, you know, be very beneficial to the team. You know, what, what are your guys' thoughts on the goaltending as a whole, even outside of Jari? I, I mean, if Casey DeSmith would have played in that playoff series, the Penguins would have won that playoff series. Yes. There's not a doubt in my mind. But if ifs were fifths, we'd all be really drunk. And, and he was not healthy for that. So guess what? The Penguins ended up blowing a three to one series lead in another first round exit. But I, I think what you see is. Casey DeSmith went through a little bit of an identity crisis at the beginning of last season. He's come into this year knowing exactly who he is, knowing exactly what he can do, and that is be a very good backup goaltender in the National Hockey League. And we saw it a couple times. Both days that I was at camp this year, the biggest save of the day was made by who? Casey DeSmith. And where was it made? High danger opportunities right in front of the net where he stuck his leg out on one and made an absolutely phenomenal glove save on another. Now, I'm not saying that's going to translate to a 9.30 save percentage, probably not, but will he be a 9.10, 9.12 type of guy? I, I think there's an opportunity for him to do that if he's deployed the correct way, which also, like we mentioned earlier, is going to help out Tristan Jari in the long run. Yeah, I think I think DeSmith will have a very good season. I know you two are high on him in terms – and wait, DeSmith, I meant to say Jari. Jari's – you guys are thinking of Vesna candidacy. While I don't see that, I do see, foresee a very uh, impressive season from him in the contract year that uh, he needs to perform well if he plans on making a ton of money or if he plans on staying uh, in the league for a long time. Um, but DeSmith, I'm just expecting a bunch of the same, I think. A bunch of – Steady enough play to get a handful of wins here and there, but is prone to disappoint you. So I'm expecting a lot of the same from DeSmith. A lot of the wins I do think will come from Jari, um, as just the way it should be. But um, I'm expecting more things from Jari than I am DeSmith this year, and that's uh, just the way I look at the goaltending this year. Yeah, and again, you know, it leads to be at least average for the team to win on most nights, even in the playoffs. But, you know, I feel like I've been saying that for like two, three years now, and they just have not gotten it. It's funny. I, they've gotten like worse goaltending in the Crosby Malkin playoff years, and they've actually gotten good goaltending. It's almost like a miracle that they've won three Stanley Cups, um, you know, with it. But final thing I got for you guys, I asked you, Jesse, this last night. I'm going to ask you guys this now. Who scores the first goal of the season on Thursday? It's a great question because that's what we've been discussing over at Fan Nation for a little bit now. Um, who did I pick? I don't remember now. Oh, Jake Gensel. His first of 50 happens as the first goal of the season. I got a little too in the weeds on my prediction. I do have Ricard Raquel scoring the first goal, and I think I said it was two minutes and 53 seconds into the first period of the game. Uh, Crosby and Gensel on the assist, but I have Raquel being the first guy to score. Damn, man. I think Berlansky and I just share the same freaking brain because I also said Ricard Raquel last night on my episode. I think it's going to come kind of like the Kunitz range, 10, 15 out, same spot on the other side of the ice, and he's just going to rip it. Uh, blocker side, I think, is what he's going to do. And I think Crosby's going to get the main assist on that. Had a great underlying numbers with Gip, Sid, and Jake last year, and I'm really excited to see how he does in a full season. Wasn't as high on the contract, but, you know, I'll gladly eat crow on it. I mean, a term – 
a little much AAV, maybe a little much, but you know, he has a chance to really, I think be a great player for them this year. But um, I really appreciate both of you coming on the show. Um, again, it's been way too long since you guys came on. So I really do appreciate it. Um, in case anyone out there does not follow you guys, does not follow the show. I'll give you guys the chance to plug everything right here. All right. Well, you can follow me at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can follow Horwat at Nick Horwat 41. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday. That doesn't matter what week it is. It doesn't matter what holiday it is. We're always going to have an episode on those two days at the tip of the iceberg, anywhere you find your podcast from. If you like our opinions for some reason, want more than what we give you on Mondays and Thursdays, you can check out InsideThePenguins.com, which is where all of our writing is housed. Worldwide, of course, will give you getting a lot more inside information with the credentials being pushed through. And then also every other Wednesday, Penguins Lunch. Hunter was the inaugural guest for Penguins Lunch every other Wednesday. I bring on a different guest from around the Penguins universe, and we just talk for about 25 to 30 minutes about the Pittsburgh Penguins and a little bit about lunch in the city of Pittsburgh. So that is every other Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I think I, I don't think I missed anything, Horwat, did I? No, you covered the bases pretty well. Uh, I appreciate that you do the uh, outros with all of our uh, information that you need. Pretty simple stuff. Follow our Twitters, listen to our podcast, and read our stuff. Uh, that's all you need to know. Yes, they do tremendous work, both written and in podcast form. And if you're not following them, I think you're doing a disservice to yourself. Um, that would do it, though, for this episode. Uh, Horwan, I'm hoping to join you in the press box at some point later this year and then um, with my credentials. And then I could, you know what, I'm going to say it myself or I'm going to say something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think people people probably know what I'm talking about with that. Anyways, um, that will do it for this episode. Really appreciate everyone listening. I'll be back with an episode on Wednesday. It'll be a full preview of that game against Arizona. I'm going to go into the lines that they have, numbers from last year, just you know, go into everything about the Coyotes and how this is basically a tank year for them and how you know, they probably may end up with Connor Bedard at the end of this year just because – that's what they're doing. And there's obviously no Phil Kessel there, but should be a fun episode. And Thursday will be a recap. And then Friday will be a preview for the Tampa Bay game that I, of course, will be in attendance for. So that'll do it. Thank you all so much for listening. I will talk with you all on Wednesday.